Welcome to the Next Door Neighbors podcast, a podcast where we talk about all things neighborly. Here are your hosts, Alex and Irina Mazukin. Yeah. I don't know if I've seen all these awards and everything. Oh, yeah. That's, Irina's got the, uh, she won a few uh, Parade of Homes. She got, mm. she did real good. Knocked it out of the park. Excellent. Are you going to the parade? No. This, this month? No. May? I've never gone. Really? No, I've, she's she's always done like a girls' thing, specifically for like Mother's Day. Like a bunch of girls will like rent a a, a limo, get mimosas. Get, do they really get, get a limo? Day drunk? You, <laughs> no, they do. They, like, I can't they, tell if this is a joke. No, they did. They've done it before. Cause, it's like because I can see it. It's I can like see that and it's like thirty houses that you can go visit. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a whole crowd that's there for decorations, uh-huh. and a, and then a different crowd that's there for building design. Who's your, uh, your your roofer? I need a roofer, please. Really? Uh, like, I so it's like a more of like a networking, find out a, a subcontractor kind of thing. Um, or or let me steal your home plan. Huh. Yeah. Oh, They're, the home plan. Yeah, I, I, I know that one. I imagine like normal. Or like I look around and say, okay, I kind of like the, the trim that you're doing on this house. So I'm going to go tell my trim guy to, to start, ah. start doing this. Or ask, you know, hey, I like the hardware that... that that you've got, I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal that idea, like little things like that. Now, is this a fact or is this you're assuming? Um, I mean, I don't have it quantified, right? But it's, it's a fact. <laughs> well, it's that fact. sounds like a Freudian nightmare. Because <laughs> you have, yeah, you have builders and yeah. contractors that go to these things. Well, because I would imagine everything comes They're not down... there to, to see what color pillow, that, right? That they but, got, but also, know? Parade of Homes is always a thing that where like they, they splurge. It's not about cost. It's like a they pissing contest exactly of, of builders, and so it, yeah, it's like. Let me show you the basketball court I put in, and and it's usually the it's this house is already sold, like it's built for a particular person, mm-hmm. and then they're like, hey, by the way, are you okay if Can we I use, put it yeah. into Parade? So I don't see any reason why the, a competitive uh, builder would go see because everything comes down to that side is like cost, right? So it's like, hey, I'm using certain hardware not because it's the nicest, but because I'm trying to cut my get my profit margin where we needed to be. Um. Sure. So yeah, it's like it's a more complicated because you can easily go and be like, you know what we need? We're really gonna stand out by getting a copper soaker tub from Italy. Like you could do yeah. that. You don't need inspiration from that. But yeah, do they have the prices? They don't have mm, prices listed on no, those. Yeah. No, there's no. I mean, it's cool because their budgets. I know when Irina was staging, like the budget was great. You know, they're they're yeah. like just make it look perfect. Yeah, know? and CBH Homes are gonna add that fourth subway tile on the on the kitchen backsplash, so you know it's, <laughs> the level. it's gonna look. <laughs> Woo! You're gonna walk the, in and the, go. The I'm, used to, I'm used to three. That's incredible. <laughs> the splash. You got the four. So now, if you're in a hurry, you could actually not worry about splashing. You're like, it's okay, baby. <laughs> we got the fourth level. Absolutely, that's, that's hilarious. So you're a married man now. Let me see. Yeah, yeah look yeah, at yeah. you. Are we, are we recording? Oh, are we are we rolling? Yeah. yeah okay. We, we started because I was you know, I was saving that for your viewers. The big reveal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm married, and for your viewers following at home, you know, they've been following my saga. They a, haven't followed saga. In fact, <laughs> as they, an they, engaged man, and we told the the divorce story yep. and everything, so we can all rest easy now that it's. This is happily ever after. This is your I reached it. This is your three peat on podcast. So <laughs> you've definitely uh, this is a complete trilogy now. We got at least one comment who specifically referenced me. So oh, the, somebody the voice. Say, yeah, somebody saying yeah. a nice oh, yeah. voice. So oh. I hope that guy's listening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> shout out to you, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're my my one and only you're fan. One I, think. Only. I like how pro you are. You found the camera that's on you. You're like <laughs> shout out yeah. to you, <laughs> Gary, Greg, or whoever you are, man. Appreciate it. So when did you get married? 
April 2nd. April 2nd. Of 2022. Yeah, was, I got to remember that. And do, you, do you avoid April 1st specifically? For, <clears throat> no, I, you know, and I made a joke, of course, that uh, April 1st, I was going to send out a cancellation notice, and Marin's <laughs> eyes rolled completely back around. Yeah. And it came back up from the bottom. And <laughs> she's got really a signature eye roll, and I, I've, I, I've really helped her perfect that. Really extraterrestrial. Yeah, I have helped her work on that day in and day out. What you want to do is just let it roll back <laughs> until pure darkness. Don't worry. It'll roll back forward again. Light will be on. Yeah. So she's got this eye roll where, like, one eye can go maybe back into the eyelid, and the other one's, like, stuck in the corner and then, like, twitch. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, I make her, I make her lose wiring entirely. It's right? just the same way as the, the earth goes around the sun, right? It gets it, dark on one side, but it'll come back. Yeah. It's more like if you took the, the car wiring out of the, the console and connected all the wires in the wrong <laughs> spot, and the car is just malfunctioning Smoking. for a second. I uh, I had one of my buddies call me. He's like, "Hey man, he's he's getting his rig ready to go like on this like long distance Utah, Utah hunting trip." And he goes, "Hey man, uh, what would happen if I allegedly uh, cross cross connected my terminals to my battery?" Uh-huh. Hypothetically, hypothetically <laughs> asking for a friend. let's say I'm out in the woods, and I was like, <laughs> "It's funny you ask because when I used to be when I when I was like 16, I worked at this." Uh, uh, Auto repair shop in Seattle called yeah. German Car Specialists, and they did Mercedes, BMWs, and Audis. And they every used once to, in a while, before Alex worked there, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and that's how hit I, him with the old Mazukin special. <laughs> it's only forty nine ninety nine. Every once in a while, these cars, uh, the batteries would be dead on them, and I don't know if it's a mechanical thing or because they were left outside. There's a lot of them, mm-hmm. and so we'd we'd have this jumper box, you know, a boost pack that you could that you charge, then you bring it over and yeah, you de- defibrillate the car basically. Yeah, yeah. And I remember I came to, and Mercedes specifically had the batteries in the trunk of the car. And it's, you know, dark over there. They made it all nice. So it's not as clear. It was like, here's red, here's black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so one time, nothing was and labeled. It's in German. And so I lefty loosey, righty tidy. I mean, nothing. And a little smoke came out. Not, an, yeah. not smoke, but a smell. And so the car <laughs> did start. And so uh, I. Where I, there's smell, there's smoke. That's what they say. <laughs> I, left, I left it overnight there, told my boss, like, uh, hey, got to let it charge. <laughs> You gotta let that suck. I soap. left the terminals on. Maybe it just needs to charge a little bit more. Still not starting. I don't know. Just uh, well, come back tomorrow and see. How so it goes. my boss is like, "Hey, man, that cost us six grand to repair because apparently it fried a bunch of the cables uh, you, through." Yeah, no, you got her. So you I got d- her good. <laughs> so I, I've done it. I've also crossed the the cables wrong. So what happened to you? I was replacing a um, a car stereo, mm-hmm. and I had the terminals off, and then I put them back on backwards uh-huh and it instantly fried. no it was it was a jump it was a jump i fried the car stereo doing a jump backwards really yep and that's enough power because i imagine the, the wires in the back of the stereo are just like low voltage now, it, 12 volts it or might be that there's a fuse that's like in the stereo uh-huh. that maybe it, what the whole thing wasn't totaled but uh-huh. i mean i can't access that and just yeah. replace it so you know maybe i don't know 150 stereo yeah. or something. so it just that thing fried cables smoked for a little bit yeah, I've also I've also connected. Um, I, I tried to do. You know, I was doing the whole Fast and Furious thing in high school. Uh-huh. Like, weren't we all? What was and, the car? What was the car of choice? Uh, well, it, you'll be impressed. Uh-huh. It was a, uh, a Hyundai Accent. Nice, yeah. nice. Nobody's doing those, so you're <laughs> like, I might as well lead the fact. Yeah, it's a 2000 Hyundai Accent, and I've actually won uh, a car show. With it, by it was, the way. Whoa! It was a church car show. So it was, <laughs> the guys entry, they're not a lot. I won the import division. Uh-huh. It was a lot of American the cars. The Korean division? No, the import. I know, no, the import, the Korean. Usually yeah, it's yeah, Japanese the subdivision. Cars. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you got to break it down. No, it was it was me. You won the Caribbean edition. <laughs> it was me and a, a, like a 60s Carmen Ghia in the import division. 
What's I, a Carmen Ghia? That sounds familiar. Carmen Ghia is, is that kinda, the is that the Volkswagen thing? It's kind of got like submarine-y looking. It's got like a, a bulbous center and then like two kind of. It's almost like a little pontoon boat. It, it's um, but it's it's not the it's not Volkswagen. It's like a little two seater. No, it's more like an MG, but with like round uh uh-huh. shape to it it's an interesting little car interesting so that yeah. was your competition that was my competition in the import division and uh <laughs> yeah and so i won i had it all you know had it all decked out it was, it was black i had like blacked out emblems and had like rims murdered and, we call that yeah, murder yeah. and, and i thought it was so cool i had my uh my guitar it was also black and white leaning up against it oh nice yeah i know i thought i was i thought i was slick so that's uh is that cheating if you're bringing guitars into this? you gotta bring props you got <laughs> the carmen Ghia lady was was using a uh a little miniature carmen Ghia as an rc car and driving it around uh, you gotta bring props yeah the, yeah the old timers they have those little the little rag dolls that lean up against the car and they look like they're crying against the car what i've never heard of that this is this is a whole thing that's creepy there's a whole industry yeah one guy has this like inflatable doll or they set the um the little old school tray like you were at a diner like a like a drive-in movie uh-huh theater, oh yeah right? yeah yeah yeah. So you gotta prop it up it's very 50s you gotta do props. Yeah, very you can't 50s. just show up with a, a camaro you gotta put your your previous trophies all around it uh-huh. and you gotta Set out. You got your 4-H trophy. You got your, you know, spelling bee. (laughs) You're like, I'm breaking everything we got. Exactly. Well, my yeah, my case, and I didn't have any previous awards, so (laughs) got to put the guitar out there. Say, you know, maybe that'll, maybe that'll win an award. You got more comments on the guitar than you (laughs) got the car. Sweet Telecaster, man. I'm voting for you. It's American guitar. It's interesting. (laughs) With a Korean car. (laughs) Are you in the import division or not? So it was, it was an American-made Telecaster too. I'm in the immigrant division. It would have been. Yeah, it would have been maybe more appropriate if it was a Mexican a Telecaster. Right, and right. And I right. could say I'm strictly in the import division. So how much effort did you put into your car? So you say you got the All right, but, but, but what we got to do is, okay, is okay, like okay. we got to go back and say uh-huh. I was putting in the uh-huh. little uh, lights. Like I wanted little neon lights to come uh, out of little, you know, like in the, in the floor area, in the magazine racks. Yep. and. I was wiring all that myself. Magazine racks? Yeah. Well, magazine rack is like the little holder inside the door. Oh, okay. Right. Okay, 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 okay. I, I guess. Yeah. I, I think of it as a magazine I th- rack. I thought, it's, I thought it's just a, Obviously, like a door compartment. A gun holder for you, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> is that where you put your gun? I did. I mean, I, n- I never put a magazine there, I guess. So if I think about it, it doesn't make sense to call it that. But maybe you're... you're <laughs> you shouldn't be driving and reading magazines. <laughs> <laughs> Pull out your Vogue, and maybe it's. Um, if anything is a magazine holder, it's behind the car seat, the the driver's seat. You know, the little yeah, pouch in the back. Yeah, the, that's where you put. That's the, a magazine. That's where you put the old map. <laughs> Yo, the, the old no Chilton. For, the old Chilton goes there. No need for those anymore. So anyway, um, I just go and I plug in, like I straight plug the the wires into the the terminals of the battery because uh-huh. I wasn't smart enough to figure out how I think I tried to splice into certain wires within the console already and I just couldn't figure it out like it's it's not my gift for electrical electrical is hard man I don't so mess with it I yeah I couldn't figure out I wanted it to of course you know be a simple like you know clip in splice into something so that when you turn the key on yep. it's power on and you can switch it on or whatever so uh, I couldn't get that to work. So I'm just like, plug it straight into the battery. And instantly, all of the where there was wire was now just smoke. So really? the, whole, the whole car was full of smoke. Jeez. And yeah, so I don't know if that was just, I don't know if that was backwards or if that was just because I plugged it in, didn't have a fuse Maybe in place, to too like much that. power. Who, who yeah, <laughs> that's what it does. That's what it's supposed to do. I have a, I have a story with... Uh, and not frying anything, but though I already have shared one of those, but it was uh, uh, installing a CD player into my, you know, little racer car when I was in high school, a little Honda Civic. And uh, the we were installing, we got the little harness, we're connecting the new aftermarket stereo. 
and uh, everything was done and we listened to it. It worked. And then I was like, cool. Thanks, dad. And then I went off for like a drive and I was like, the thing won't turn on. And didn't find out that how to turn it on until you have to turn your wipers on. In order to turn your there it on. is. So yeah, we pick you back up. the wrong wire. Yeah. So you'd see me on a bright blue day <laughs> in a wipers going. Music banging though. <laughs> Music banging. The rubber's already burned yeah. off the, 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 the wipers. You just <laughs> metal to glass. But you got the Ja Rule going and you're good. You're doing fine. I like it. What year was the Civic? 96 EX. Okay. Yep. Yeah, 96 and 7 are like the, the whew, yeah, that's the, the prime The two-door coupe. Now, it was automatic. Here's the unfortunate part. My that, dad, is, that is sad. My dad wouldn't let me have an auto, uh, manual. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I had to do this thing where we had to put like the shifter knob, like more like an aftermarket one. Oh, uh, yeah, that with the clicker. The, the so clicker kinda, on top yeah. instead of the side. And, you know, you would do this where you go yeah, was it drive. Like you go carbon fiber. Yes. You would accelerate, throw it in each oh. and put it back <laughs> no into drive to at least give it the illusion that you're, you know, working the gears. That sounds like that well, that illusion will be over very soon. Very you, soon. You'll be using no gears. Yeah. It was. Uh, but I was, I mean, that was cool. That was a cool time growing up because that was a time that you learned how to drive a stick because you wanted to because of Fast mm -hmm. and Furious. Mm -hmm. So I remember learning how to drive a stick in like a 1990, my cousin's 1992 Honda Civic EX Coupe. Uh, uh, hatchback, sorry, hatchback. Oof. And uh, I mean, that car has taught numerous amount of people uh, how to drive. And right. The amount of clutches that the thing went right. through. What did you learn how to drive a stick on? Um, that's a good question. I think it was that that Hyundai Accent. The Hyundai Accent. Yeah. So my first car, my dad used my turning 16 as an excuse to buy another Mustang. Uh huh. And so all the Mustangs were automatics. It was a '96. Mustang and he had a, a 66 I think at the time my brother had an 84 he's obviously a big Mustang yeah. kind of collector guy um and so that yeah that was an automatic and I think my the, the next car I got it was almost like out of spite like I'm like I don't like I don't want to be an American car muscle car Mustang kind of guy which I'd love to point out something by the way uh -huh. here in a second um so I was like I, I'm going full-on Japanese or Korean, I'm go, I'm getting out of here, and I'm and I'll get a little, little ricer. Uh huh. So I got the 90 horsepower Hyundai Accent to what? Really stick it to him. You uh, so you did I hear the correctly? Your dad got you a Mustang, or he got himself a Mustang that you could use? Well, see, that's the thing. Uh -huh. It's like, you know, I didn't ask for a Mustang. He, did, you know, it was, just, it was more like, here you go, happy turning 16, son. But yeah, I think he always kind of looked at Mustangs as like investments. Yeah, and as long as I was growing up, they never made us. They but never, I, they never made our family any money. But right, but but that's such a cool factor. It's also very it, it Britney is. Spears. It is, and, and I don't want to sound ungrateful. Like like I wasn't like an ungrateful kid that said, you know, oh, dad, you got me a Mustang. I was I was super happy that yeah. I, I had a Mustang. But it was also kind of like it was understood. Like this isn't really yours. Ah, uh, you know, like you I got get this to you. hold on for you. It. Get to drive it, yeah. right, right. But and, and in the case, uh, we moved from Indiana to Washington, so we kind of offloaded the cars when we moved. Anyway, we didn't bring them all with us. Uh huh. So that was how I ended up with a Hyundai Accent at the end. So when uh, the coolest car I had when I was uh, about nineteen, so my dad used to buy cars on auctions, right when they were totaled and wrecked, and then he would rebuild them, and then we would drive them. And so these, I mean, these are nice cars. These are just you know. Uh, got somebody got in a car accident. Insurance took the car. They auctioned yeah. it off. You know, rebuilt salvage titles. Okay. And so every car that we've ever owned was from there. In fact, my dad had. We had multiple Toyota Camrys at different times, like '97 ones. Mm -hmm. And we had a few that had like straight up cut down the middle. Yeah, and yeah it's welds burgundy together. in the front. It's navy blue in the back. Exactly, <laughs> and welds and everything. And the coolest car I ever had was a 1996. 
uh, Audi A4, and it was a Ooh, manual. Yeah. And now here's it, it, there's a little bit of backstory I have to give is because it this sounds like a really fun story, but it. it it's it's one but of those it's like not. it's, it's, it's like, you know one of those you watch a movie where you have to watch the end before you watch the begin before you understand the beginning. I've never seen. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It starts it's with like, like a middle inception, right? Yeah. And so what happens? So so here I am driving this really cool 1990, you know, eight, an Audi. All my friends think it's cool. The ladies are fond of it. Yeah. So then I get this thing in the mail. My mom's like, "Hey, you're summoned to go to court, like Seattle <laughs> District Court." And I was like, what? I didn't get any tickets. Yeah, somebody else's record on this salvage title. Well, hold on a second. I wish. <laughs> oh, I was sorry. sorry. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. So I was like, it's probably nothing, whatever. So I go to the thing. I go to the, the, the courtroom hearing and they're like, you are being charged. Keep in mind, this is Seattle. You're getting pro- uh, charged with reckless uh, driving. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I never got a reckless driving. Now the story, this is where the story kicks back uh, a year and no, two years before that. I was driving that 1996 uh, Honda Civic two months after. So so this is 18, 19. Okay, so 16, I get this car. um, And I'm late on my curfew. I'm like 1030. I'm supposed Mm -hmm. to be home 10. Mm -hmm. I'm smashing down the freeway in Auburn in in Seattle. And at one point, I'm looking, it's like 110 miles an hour, right? Now, idiot, 16-year-old kid, right? But it's like almost 11 o'clock at night. There's not a lot of people on the road. My dad's blown up my phone. He's pissed. He's like, you're going to get a bunch of trouble for not getting home time. Boom. Blue lights. Last thing I look mm-hmm. is I'm doing 110. I pull over. I have a radar detector in the car. Didn't work. It was like one of those cheap ones. <laughs> but it worked to get you a, an extra charge. I get an extra charge. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was best at. Exactly. And so um, I pull over and I'm losing my mind. He goes, sir, I'm so sorry. I, I My dad's ki- going to kill me. Straight to jail. He's, no. It was more complicated than that. He... Because I'm, I'm basically sobbing, right? So mm-hmm. he, I, he, I give him my driver's license. He never even went back to his car with it. I, he, I gave him the license and insurance. I, I was like, I'm so sorry. He's like, when'd you get your license? I was like, two months ago. And he points at the radar detector. Like, you already got one. You know, already got one of those. Like, meaning he knows that I'm up to no good now. So he literally, he never leaves my car. He takes a little uh, sticky note out of his pocket. Jots something down on my license, yeah. gives it back to me and says something along the lines of like, well, you need to learn your lesson or something like that. Yeah. Slow down, go. So Send you this bill when you're 18. Well, right. So I get, I, I was like, thank you so much. I Weird. get on my way, go home. My dad chews me out, grounds me, the whole shebang. I'm living my life beautifully, telling everybody the story. Yeah. How, how you got away with it. For two years, I got <laughs> away with it. Then I go to court. They're getting processed. I get I lawyer up. My dad makes me sell Dang. my car to pay for this lawyer. Dang. And I guess the whole thing was that in Seattle, you can because their court system was so backdated. Mm-hmm. Who knew uh, that they could still prosecute up you prosecute you prosecute you up to four years. Huh? So that was my thing, and I can't tell you how many times I told that story to people. Like I got away, and they let me go, yeah, and yeah, yeah. count my lucky stars, and we laughed, no, and no. this happened. So my dad makes me sell this car. And he, I had to drive beaters, not, not, not to knock on beaters. You know, it, there's a humbling experience after driving in an Audi. But it, the beaters that I had were $600 cars off of Craigslist. Mm-hmm. They were 1992 Ford Taurus. They were uh, a Mercury Tracer. Uh, yeah. Basically, any kind of car that has so a, a, a bench seat up front. Ladies not appreciating that <laughs> as much. Not appreciating until the <laughs> <laughs> Until the last car I landed on, like I had three beaters before I had a decent car after that. 
finally I got my ticket back to society. And the the last beater, which was kind of like a cool beater, it was a 1993 Ford Escort station wagon. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, Wood forest, green. Forest green. Forest dark green. But that was a manual. So that was my uh, first time, well, not after the Audi, to kind of get back and be like, Daddy's home. Yeah. <laughs> shifting, gears, <laughs> shifting gears. Shifting okay. gears. It kind of sounds like a vehicle you'd take to a demolition derby and, <laughs> and using exactly. reverse, right? Exactly. You're just pounding people with that big old hatchback. And, and That's a wagon. vehicle that you know there is a half a, t- a, a gallon of antifreeze in the back, uh, you know, the coolant in, in the back of your trunk because you need to top that baby off. Uh, yeah, you're always adding oil to it. But hey, man, it was um, I don't want to say it was a humbling experience or a great lesson learned because I didn't learn anything. Didn't learn a thing. Just <laughs> it would have been had diff- a lot of cool cars, a lot of cool times. <laughs> and then I just money like, for nothing, chicks for free. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, All that right. was my that's my car stories, man. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I when you when you talked about coming back on here, I feel like the segue I kind of left dangling back there a little bit um, about the whole marriage thing mm-hmm. is that I had some thoughts I want to bounce off. Yeah, of you. let's hear it because so, you're you're a pro now. You've been married for a month. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. So you're writing a novel. Well, I'm not trying to tell your audience my thoughts on marriage. Did you get any responses to the story call outs about like let let's let Rich and Alex fix all your relationship was? Oh, I forgot to do that. I, oh, I well, forgot that explains why we we didn't get any of that. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's going for the thumbnail. <laughs> Just did a little pose for for the camera, if right? You can see that. So um, so tell me, how's the one? The the thought process yeah. um, was that I recently had to write my vows, and so uh-huh. I, in doing so, I got to reflect a lot on love and relationships. And I thought that like if there's something that I can just like get lost on and babble on forever, yeah. it's kind of like definitions and semantics and epistemology and stuff. So. I thought I would bounce off some of these ideas with you about like, yeah, what is love? Yeah, would be a great example. It, it, should we start with what consciousness is first before we uh, get to love? I, I mean, <laughs> I just got done with J- Jordan Peterson's uh, the twelve rules of, for life. The first twelve rules. The first twelve rules. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, ju- I literally just finished it today. Okay. So I'm I'm That's fresh good. on all this stuff. Did you okay. know? Well, there's a whole second book you can dive into. There's another total. I'm gonna rules. let the digest. I'm gonna let that soak. I might revisit a few chapters. I kind of think it's like a. It's like. A, did you listen or read? I listen. Okay, uh, yeah. I listened as. I listened as well, and I think they're like lectures, they're like college lectures. Yeah. And I'll be driving, and I'll think, oh no, I stopped paying attention for two minutes. Yeah. And I'm lost, and yeah. I gotta back up and start again. And he's and he's definitely a big influence in the like, figuring out like pointing to things with words and then discussing like what other concepts and words are attached to those yeah. those presuppositions. So Yeah. It's interesting how he also ties in like biblical stories. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. It, it almost helps you understand those biblical stories of Cain and Abel or the fall or whatever a little bit more because he's bringing a psychological approach to what that could potentially apply to your life. Yeah. Yeah. Which so, I don't know if is he a religious man? I don't I don't So that this is a great question. Yeah. And and I have I have my own theory on this and I think um I don't know if I even mentioned this before, but I think if you really pinned him down uh-huh. and and tried to paint him into a corner, I think you would get an interesting answer. Because if you say like what is what is God, Jordan? Uh-huh. Then, uh, or is God real? Maybe is even better. That's a question. more clear because if you he said, well, "What is God?" He would probably say it's absence of chaos or absence of so, order. So you you would ask, "Is God real?" And 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 he would dance around and say, "Well, you've got two really important definitions to make. 
one is real and one is God. And uh-huh. so now let's start talking about what you mean by both of those words. And then maybe if we ever resolve either of those, I can answer your question, which was, are these two things equated? Mm. So is God real means is, is one equal one? Or like, is this an equated thing? Are these two things equal by just by the word meaning is? Yeah. So like, yeah, and then you're just lost in semantics yeah. forever because if you try to address what is reality and then you try to address what is God, you'll, you'll never ever come back to a circle. Like, uh, absolutely. So I, I personally think it, can, it comes, if you painted them into a corner and said, okay, you want to dance around all these questions. It's really, I'll make it really, really easy for you. Will you say that Jesus Christ came back to life? He was, he was dead and then came back to life and was seen by hundreds of people as the Bible claims. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's a question that's like, let's pin your answer on something extremely specific then. Yeah. And then I think you would get some, some, uh, well, you know, I, bleh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's, it's interesting how he can dance around that, right? Because I think the answer is no. I think the answer is you do not believe what the Bible believes. You say things that are biblical, kind of, but then like the people in the Bible, the stories in the Bible do not believe what you think right about the bible yeah so like you think the bible tells you these sort of analytic or um these sort of analogies and these sort of archetypical truths that's not what people that's not what paul said right. you he say, believes. you're saying that's what he believed that he yeah. doesn't believe that yeah, See, yeah, yeah. I, I, I i say that jordan believes a certain thing that right. he thinks christianity is true because it's in this abstract sort of sense of truth right and i'm over here saying well that's not what Christianity says that it believes. Uh-huh. Like you think you see something very different. Yeah, I, it it's uh, it's so easy to get lost, but yet at the same time, s- kind of understand where he's coming from. So, like the fall and and being kicked out of the Garden of Eden, and then you know that's the same chapter he's talking about order and chaos. He you he kind of leads you towards this path of under kind of. Applying the Bible, at least the Old Testament stories, as more of like a, along the lines of like Plato or Galileo, like taking a lot of these like uh, art, uh, artistic uh, expressions um, and stories of, and of Greek lot, mythology. And a lot of the conclusions are about self-actualization, mm-hmm. about you becoming a, a person and setting purpose in your life and going to do things and then establishing for yourself what you think are values and ethics and like these foundational things. What, what, what are your thoughts on his, uh, the first 12 rules? Uh, did you feel like they, so you're, you're, you're going to ask, we're going to lead this conversation um, about like the, what important things you could, should put into vows and how important they are or, or what, what kind of meaning is giving to them, right? Let's say, so if you're going to have to write on one piece of paper, like these vows, and they're going to give tremendous amount of meaning towards this person you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Well, it's like, then you got to really pick and choose the most important things. Do you yeah. feel like Jordan did that? Do you feel like when the rules of like, you know, staying up straight with your this shoulders? Is a good, this is a good question. So yeah. like, in a way, and I'll say it another way, in a way I thought of like expressing my vows to an audience is like trying to give them a two minute trailer of a two hour movie. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's a ton of things I want to say and could say about my wife and my fiance at the time. And, the ways I want to express to people what I think about her, what she's done for me and why I'm standing here. And I don't have time for any of that. Mm-hmm. You guys are watching me. I've got like two minutes, three minutes. So I've got to pick and choose the absolute things that I think could maybe get you there the fastest, or at least just admit that I can't do it 
and say, I'm going to tell you one thing and just remember that. And, um, and so I think in the book, it's kind of, you're kind of like saying the same thing, whereas Jordan's thoughts on life might be an entire, in, in which he's got recorded, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of hours. It might take, it might take a hundred hours to even kind of start to understand his whole picture, but he's going to, you know, 30 hours of, of, of reading a book, he's going to try to break it down, get you the most important nugget. I think that's a good way of, of yeah. looking at it. And, and then I think the rules that he chose are good, are definitely a really good start. Yeah. Um, thing, like things that um, are sort of shoulds and oughts without a true kind of connecting to the old fashioned shoulds and oughts. Things like, like you talk about stand up straight with your, with yeah. your back, you know, like shoulders. Project, back. Yeah, yeah. Pro project yourself in a, in a, and they uh, don't be cowardly when it comes yeah, to bra yeah. yeah brave way I guess yeah. in an organized way and things like you know make a room in your house as clean ornate and tidy, yeah. clean and tidy but also mm -hmm. as ornate you know appreciating things like cleanliness and art um, and and sort of moves into the the second book is kind of it has a feel that it's sort of a rebuttal to this like cancel culture or this rejection of authority and hierarchies of like that's a hierarchy so it's just naturally bad those are rules so they're just naturally we want to reject them and and where people are kind of moving to that of, uh, and saying like well it doesn't matter if i really go out and make something of myself what does it really matter if i'm in a relationship or not or like it's all the same and you can't mm -hmm. really point to where one direction is better than another so i'll just make none or i'll just stay as as a, a potential being um and i think the second book is a lot about like demonstrating why it's better to pick a direction mm -hmm. and like the fact of of movement and direction and establishing purpose is better than resting in a place of even if it is potential even if you are a great potential person but you're you're not doing something yeah i one thing i re recognize from his um rules is it kind of painted a certain type of picture and maybe a lot of these rules the first rules came from people who are in desperate need of of uh, psychiatric help, right? So, or, or so, even just a kick in the pants to say, "Get right, off your couch." And, right. That's exactly yeah. the, the. I guess where I'm kind of kind of going with, and so, but I, I, one of the rules that really resonated with me, and and I, and we can dive in a little bit of this because I was talking to Irina about this a few months ago. The person that I am today, and I think everybody would agree with this, but I, I feel like there's, I'm, I'm echoing this even more towards myself. The person that I am today is a complete day and night person than when we first got married ten years ago. And, and you could say that about everybody, right? You could say, well, I'm more patient. I'm now interested in this. That's, that's, that applies to everybody. But for me, m my mental place has changed drastically in the last 10 years. I'll, and I 100% attribute to that to the content that I'm consuming, like on the, the po Joe Rogan's podcast, where you have Jocko Willinks, you have the David Goggins, you have the Cameron Haynes, you have people who are doing extraordinary difficult things and are uh, signing up to do those difficult things. And then I caught myself, because that's the content I'm consuming, I found myself uh, going towards that direction and doing difficult things because they're doing it. Like, mm -hmm. it going, I started running. So running was like the first thing that kind of made me overcome, conquer my inner bitch, like, like Rogan would say. And so while I'm listening to these motivational people while doing these difficult things, it started shaping my mind so, so much so that I don't recognize the me from, mm -hmm. you know, in fact, I don't recognize me from uh, uh, five years ago than I am the me today because there, there's a huge change that happened. And so one of Jordan's rules 
and, and I think it applies to so many people that resonates with, with where my life is now, is uh, consider yourself as somebody who you're responsible to take care of, right? So there's a lot of people who do things that are self-destructive, whether they eat crappy food, they drink too much alcohol, they're around negative people that gossip or, or slander, or whatever. they're around people who they, they don't fit in with, they're, they're constantly, are like one of his rules, is are constantly living in chaos and there's no order at all. And so I think that part really reminded me that, you know, consider yourself to be somebody that you, you're responsible to take care, take, taking care of to constantly evolve and better yourself and compare yourself to who you are today, compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not who you expected to be today. Like that was one of the most powerful things I took away from that book. And there's a little bit built into that rule is a little bit of the put your own oxygen mask on before helping others. Mm -hmm. Like you can't, you can't help everyone from a position of desperation or need yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. There's yeah. Take, Keep, taking care of yourself is one of the best ways to take care of others. Yeah. And it's, um, it's hard to accept, especially for people who have a lot more empathy or maybe grew up, you know, trying to be more altruistic or maybe even looking down on people who are greedy or, you know, trying to say you shouldn't go, you know, try to make money or you shouldn't have possessions, but in a way, and just being just be, and Steve Harvey has a thing where he says, you know, my father gave me really good advice to say the best thing you can do for poor people is not be one of them. Mm. And if you give all your money away, then you'll just be right back at square one. Yeah. So there, there's just like just chiming in a little bit on that same thought of taking care of yourself is it's it's counterintuitive, but is one of the most altruistic things you can do is put yourself in a position to help. Isn't it interesting how when you do try to help other people, and let's say you already did get your stuff figured out, right? Let's say you've already t are in the process of helping yourself and you're doing good and you're now helping other people. It's, it's extremely draining, right? When somebody is not taking your, your uh, piece of advice that you might consider maybe some level of wisdom from experience or maybe from, you know, some resources that you found. But when you're exhausting yourself to help other people, and Jordan said this, and I don't think he said this in this book, but I think it was one of like the viral clips that were out there. Uh, he says, like, w when you talk to people, if they're not listening to you, stop talking. Hmm. You ever heard him say something like that? Yeah, and Neil deGrasse Tyson had a similar. Neil deGrasse quote. Tyson? It's like, stop talking yeah, because it, it devalues your words. And I was like, wow, that's so. That's so powerful because I, I remember so often because I'm on this kind of in the last five years on this like high and kick of like motivation and you can do anything. Once you do one little thing, you can do anything kind of thing, whether it's business or, uh, you know, endurance wise that when I try to instill like have this conversation with somebody to like light a spark and I'm passionate and I'm talking and we're, we're, you know, and they're getting excited and then nothing happens. Then I catch myself mm. just repeating this exact motivational speech, if you will, over and over. And I'm just exhausting myself. My words don't mean sure. anything. It's just words in the wind. Yeah. Who, yeah. Who's to say if, if the second time's the charm or if, right. if you're wasting your time. So what, what have you been learning uh, through some of the ideas that you've been processing through love and what that yeah, is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really glad that uh, we're, we're coming back to that because um, to, to do a brief segue, we'll hang on to Jordan for just another minute mm -hmm. before we move into our original ideas. Okay. Um, but the, the idea of when you're, when you're using language, when you kind of listen to Jordan after a while, you start to realize like, well, language is just, like words are just made up of other words and they start, you start to kind of 
erode some of the things that you accept as just a general understanding like okay so what is good what is harm what is truth what i mean you start to realize a lot of these things are built on understandings and agreements if you uh, that go lower and lower and lower and if you guys if you and i don't agree on one of these sort of foundational things then we can't be expected to agree on the things that are built yeah. on those ideas and the more things that are the the ideas and words and definitions that have the most things leaning on them are our most critical and closely held firmly held beliefs so when i started thinking about about love and i was trying to think okay well you know, is it is it a circumstantial? I mean, I guess this low hanging fruit, right? Obviously, it's not a circumstantial thing, but um, is it is it like a decision? Is it a commitment? It's a lot. It's a combination of that. Okay, well, how do I know if I if I if I feel love versus okay? I just think this is going to work out, or th- these are really good. Um, it's, it's it's a great agreement, you know. And a marriage is an agreement in a way, and it's a contract in a way. Um, and I kind of started thinking about sacrifice and I was like, I think I'm getting warmer. That love is, is something is like a sacrifice, but you would make sacrifices for maybe, maybe you did it for other, other purposes. Maybe you did it for gain. Maybe you did it for work. Maybe you made a sacrifice for recognition. So may, or you, you could, you could sacrifice something kind of begrudgingly. And I started to identify that I think for me, and I, I would love to poke holes at this yeah. or see if it resonates with you at all. Um, but the willingness to sacrifice start, to me starts to become love. It's like if you have to go do something hard, but the the reason you're doing it is because you love the other person that's receiving this or is a part of this. It's it stops feeling like it's hard It no longer feels like a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So it, cir- it circulates on itself to where, okay, well, I have to uproot myself and move from one city to another because I love, but you know, n- that's a big hassle, but yet it's because I'm, I'm prioritizing this person. I'm going to move for this person. No longer feels like I'm giving up anything. It just feels like that's what we have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I have big expense coming up or um, I'm going to, going to move to in, in with my, with my partner, I'm going to, you know, any of these things that feel like they're, they're big hassles when they're in an act of love, they, they are no longer hassles at all. And so I, it's in the moment, if, if you're, I would, I guess I would Do you think it, they're not, not a hassle? I don't think it's fair to say there it's not a hassle anymore. I think maybe the hassle is minimized, right? Because if you wake up with a sick kid in the middle of the night that you're like, we got to go to the ER, it's, it, you don't go like, yeah, yeah. So we're going to the ER. You're still like, I don't want to go to the ER. Like, do you think you have that? I have that. You have that reaction where you say, I don't want to go to the ER. So, yeah, we but... just recently did that. We recently, my my huh. kid, my kid uh, Beckham. He, uh, what did he have? Um, what was hurting? I'm trying to remember, but uh, I think he said his throat or his neck or something like that was hurting, and it was, you know, well, I was like, well, let's put. Oh. Was it was it because you felt like it might not be necessary that you did There's a level to, to ER? that. Yes. Okay. It, it, I think it's a different story if I truly felt that his life was absolutely uh, in, in, yeah. endangered. I'd be like, no, no, no. You'd we, wake up, we're going. We'll to the do. ER. We're doing whatever. Yeah. But when when you kind of go like it's midnight, you know, you you can only go to the ER. His oh, he's complaining his ear hurts. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Ears not life and death, right? Yeah. But his pain is the the biggest issue. Now I've already given him three different doses, uh, pretty close together of like Tylenol. Yeah. Anything more than that, I'm going probably encroaching on some dang, like harmful territories. Mm-hmm. So that stuff's not working. Okay. Well, it's midnight. Well, what am I going to 
the ER is not designed for me to come in and be like, my kid's ear hurts. They're just going to give them a stronger medicine, <laughs> right. right? They're not going to be like, we need to go rush. Yeah. Now I'm sure that has happened ever. So, so I was filled with that feeling of like, can't go to primary health because they're closed. I was like, oh, yeah. I'm going to feel like an idiot. So we, I still dragged my feet because he woke up moaning, right? Your kid's mm -hmm. moaning. There's nothing you can do. Like you've exhausted. So I'm getting, okay, buddy, let's get in the car and we're driving. And he falls asleep right before we hit like the parking lot. And I was like, I'm, well, I'm, I'm not going to wake up a kid to go. He needs to be in the ER. Yeah. He's not supposed to be in the ER. And so we turned right back around. He got it overnight and then we were, but the feeling yeah. still stays there. What if, what if your kid was crying in pain and he got up and said, dad, I, I really need to go for a car ride and that will take away my pain. I, that's, that's me rolling my eyes. I'm, I can't like, I, I it's still a, a huge inconvenience. See, I like that we went to the kid territory, mm -hmm. right? Because in the, cause I know the feelings you're talking about and the feelings of, well, it's. Cause it, I, I had to do a similar thing right. where, where, um, Marin had just had a like, really bad heartburn in the uh -huh. middle of the night. And so I, it's like, I want to go to sleep and I want to get, but she's not going to get in the car and go get her own heartburn medicine. So right. I, get up, I get up and go get the heartburn medicine. Right. But. And that's, Does that feeling in that of case, like I, it's the I know that it's the only way that this situation is going to be fixed, uh -huh. and I think that's where the difference comes in, where it's like the ER wasn't the only situation that was going to fix this. Like you kind of knew yeah. there were other options, and this was a little silly that we were going to the ER. Right. But it, like if you if it wasn't uh -huh. if your kid woke up and had a, had his ear hanging off by, yeah. by the skin, then we're running. We're running. You'd to the say ER. we're going to the ER, and I'm yeah. not going to count it as like a begrudging right. This is not a chore. It's hard for me to empathize with people. Like I, because like it's hard for, because empathy is, is putting yourself in the position of where they are to understand it, right? Like. Or just feeling what they're feeling. feeling. what they're feeling, right? So it, it's difficult for me to do that because oftentimes if it's like an adult, right? So like Irene mm -hmm. used to have like chronic headaches that she doesn't have them anymore. A lot mm -hmm. of my thing were tension related. When we were first married, you yeah you're like oh, I'm sorry like that you're feeling this but then when you now there's multiple kids and you're stretched you know around and you had a a, 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 a labor intensive day at work you kind of go well listen I because with me it's like if something hurts I'm like I'm gonna take some whiskey I'm gonna like ride this thing out and then I will go see like a doctor or something like that if it's necessary but like the way I'll deal with a headache is I'll have a few whiskeys and the headache's gonna go away so to me I I think it's difficult to empathize with people that. I, not, I'm not saying they don't want to be tough, but maybe I feel like they're putting too much into this. I don't know. I, I might sound like a complete dick about this. No, I think I would just word that as skepticism. You're skeptical that the action is necessary. Mm -hmm. And if it's not, that's, that's what and, and if it's not necessary, then it is a waste of time. Yeah. Um, right, because we just did a comparison of saying like the ears hanging off, we're running to the hospital. But I would say, especially with an adult, especially with your partner, mm -hmm. especially with your partner you have to see every day and you have to be accountable to them and you're going to have to talk about this if, yeah. if you end up being wrong, I would I would probably rather say like, okay, maybe, I, I guess I would wake up in a situation saying, okay, she really needs me to do this thing. It's really inconvenient, um, but I'm going to go ahead and do it because I definitely don't want to be wrong mm -hmm. and to be like, no, you don't need that. Right. And then because I was either begrudging about it or just didn't want to deal with the hassle end up i'm wrong and now she needed that medicine she needed the service or she needed that thing it's like i i i would i guess i would look at that and say in this definition i, I kind of wonder is like do i love her in that situation if i'm just more concerned with the the inconvenience versus the option that i might be right 
so how would we be i mean maybe we're asking the same questions like but how would we be defining what love is is love the fact that you would you don't have you would do something for somebody when it's inconvenient or the fact that there's a part of you that doesn't uh feel like it's an inconvenience you just want to do it that's the part i that's the part i think uh -huh. so and and to give you an analogy and i i, I hate to use two like biblical analogies now i don't want everything to be about biblical analogies yeah. but um I was trying to think of a way when I was doing my actual vow writing, I was trying to think of a way to, to describe it to the audience in an analogy. I could only think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, where it's like, I don't really want to go to the cross, you know, take this cup from me kind of thing, but it does anyway. And it doesn't mean it's not difficult, but it was a willingness, like step forward willingly. Nobody had to say, all right, fine, well, I'll pay you to do it. Or... Um, no, you have to, or I'm going to kill you. Or, you know, it didn't have to be told again. It's like, I, I don't really want to, but I'm going to. And in that act, it doesn't feel like, I mean, and I, I wasn't there. I wasn't in the guy's head. So <laughs> I don't know if it felt like a huge inconvenience or not, but I kind of get the impression that, um, yeah, I, I know that, I know that when I do something and I obviously haven't sacrificed my life in torture, but, um, I think plenty of people would, um, you know, step in front of the car or the bus or whatever for their kid, you'd, you'd run out there and you wouldn't think twice about it, push a kid out of the way of a truck, and then you'd get hit in the, you know, you'd be in the hospital saying, I, I know this is an inconvenience, but it doesn't feel like, it feels like the right thing to do. I wouldn't take it back. I'm not begrudging. I don't think when I think about my son who I pushed out of the way of that car, I don't think, oh man, like you put me in the hospital. Mm -hmm. I wish you'd listen to me more or whatever. Like, well, I think it's easier to describe this uh, inconvenience or, or the lack of inconvenience when it comes to love in extreme cases, right? So like you said, either mm -hmm. Jesus going to the cross or stepping in front of your kid, you know, a car or you're hanging off, let's go to the ER. Like it's easier to go extreme cases, but like, and the little things yeah. are easier when you're kind of fresh inside of it, right? So, it, you know, I remember, I, my wife even tells me like this now, she's like, you used to like empathize a lot more when I wasn't feeling or like that, like in the earlier stages. And I agree. And, and I don't know, is it, is it time? Is it 10 years of marriage? <laughs> is it, is it 10 years of marriage and kids? Is it because I, I hold myself to a certain standard of like, try to like push through whatever it is. I definitely, at the mm -hmm. end of the day, come out as an asshole. I do. And I'm, and I'm very apologetic about it. I try to really, um, you know, like if, if she's, if she's feeling sick from like, let's say the flu, but she's not critical and, you know, and she's kind of, you know, she'll stare at me and kind of like give me the puppy eyes. I'm, I'm kind of laser point vision where I'm like, okay, I need to do this. I need to do that. Okay. Kyle's coming. We get it. Like, I'm almost like in tunnel vision. And we have to have to talk about this where I told, you know, she's like, you used to be far more empathetical and I apologize. Mm -hmm. I was wrong completely, but I was like, how about, and I, I try to explain where I'm coming from. Uh, and, She's like, well, can you at least like when it's the weekend? I was like, yes, I, I promise that if it's like the weekend, I will try to I'll try to hold myself to a standard of like not being distracted by anything else and empathizing, at least trying to empathize with you to like allow for you to feel that the moment of like togetherness there. But if I was to define what love is, because it's a, it's a little bit clearer for me when it's not just towards a person that you get butterflies for that you feel, uh, uh, you know, um, camaraderie with a person who uh, uh, you can sh uh, share memories with, a person you could share time with. Uh, but 
it's a little bit different because now you have to stretch that feeling of like, well, what about kids? And kids will be an inconvenience always to you, or at least the, some of the actions are inconvenient. But then I asked myself, why do I do these things for them when I don't feel like it? Well, I think there's a level of feeling, and this applies to both a, a partner or kids, is you feel there's a, a level of you inside of them that you have to like there's a part of them that is you i kind of i kind of thought you were going to the route of an obligation right like you're yeah. you're obligated like you're obligated because that that's you and you're obligated to help you mm. so by you helping them you're helping yourself and so i don't mean to get too meta on you but yeah. you could make the argument that everyone else is also you Mm. You're talking about the the theory of many worlds. Just getting, uh, quantum, <laughs> just, quantum world. just getting a little bit zen on quantum yeah, that, mechanics you or know. quantum, uh, yeah, quantum mechanics. Um, so okay, so break break that off. Well, that's a, that's a different. That's tangent. a different. Okay. Yeah, that's a longer. That's even longer than this tangent. Yeah, we're on a very specific one right so, now. So, <laughs> and I'm sure I'm sure we, there's a lot a lot many a lot more words that we can start breaking down of what love is because right. So like you have the Greeks that have like the agape love and all the other mm -hmm. loves. But like the when it comes to like a like a love for but your spouse, yeah, almost more. It made me think of it as a question of like, what's a moment that you decide that you love that person or you realize that you love that person? I think when you, when you have a baby, it's instantly. So that's maybe that's different. That's a, a love I haven't necessarily understood mm -hmm. yet because it doesn't involve a choice, mm -hmm. or maybe it does involve a choice. Yeah. I, I kind of feel like you you typically think of parenthood as a choice to abandon a kid, not a choice to love them. There's a, there's a level of the oneness maybe, and this kind of goes back to a piece of them, a piece of you is inside of them, is there's a level of oneness because like if you were to ask me, and I'm, I'm thinking back right now because you just got married and I'm, I'm recalling my wedding day and all that stuff, and I've been engaged before. You've been married yep, before. Yep, yep. And so, and we've dated many other people before. And so there's moments that we've told people that we love them that, that are not our spouses now. And so then what were we telling those people did we just like them? Did we really, really like them? And then now we mm -hmm. love this person. And so now I'm kind of playing this timeline in my head. Okay, I, I married Irina 10 years ago. I'm, I'm remembering that feeling that we're getting married and I'm seeing her now. And I actually was recalling this yesterday. I was walking in my backyard and I was thinking to myself, I love my family. And I think I'm, it's such a perfect family that I think a lot of people don't experience a level of perfection. And the perfectness of it is like, I love my wife so much. She's such a perfect spouse for me because she laughs with me. She's incredibly funny. She communicates. We, she's very lighthearted. She sees the best in me. She sees the best in people. She uh, always gives me the benefit of the doubt. She doesn't start problems. Uh, we, everything around her and my, 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 my relationship or ex, uh, mm -hmm. exchange with her is always nothing but positive. Even when it is negative, mm -hmm. the negative causes me to apologize for something that I did wrong, and I don't mind that, yeah. right? Like the same way she said you used to empathize more, that when she confronted me, yeah, I yeah. clearly was like, yeah, I was, and I'm really sorry, and I'm gonna try to be better. Yeah. And then I go, my kids, I was like, they are such perfect kids. Beckham is so creative, and I, he always wants to be around me. Jack is so athletic and smart, and he always wants to be around him, and I want to be around him. Um, and my daughter, she's the cutest thing in the world. And so you go like, there's people who don't want to be at home, and they want to find ways, like excuses to go do this, do that. Yeah. And I'm the opposite. I was like, I want to be home. I want to be around them. And so that's a, a, a like, I'm trying to figure out what that yeah. feeling is and why is it that feeling called love? Because that's so, only human Okay, word. that's what we're doing. Right. Right. And I would, I would ask you to see if you can point your finger on something. So 
is is love just a, an accumulation of these boxes that are checked probably not mm-hmm. that that makes her a really great partner to you but that isn't telling you that you love her mm-hmm. that's not that's true yeah it's not a feeling that's not a thing that happened in you those are just facts about her and what kind of person she is yes so i think there's i think there's something else to be considered in terms of because there's people who have a great partner have whoever whoever might have been dating her before had access to that same great woman and i don't think it's a matter of just he wasn't the perfect compatibility to reciprocate that there's something missing in terms of what he did or did not love and the and the the um the kids you had a comment that i wanted to chime in on as well well it sounds like i tolerate her so i think <laughs> <laughs> i guess what so i said yeah what, so the oh, kids you, I, you said something about well they're um, smart you, you had like a there was a point of willingness in there that you even mentioned the willingness to do something like take him to the hospital or take him to uh but you didn't i forget i, I wish i could play back the I'm, video i'm man. trying to yeah i'm, I'm trying to <laughs> I wish you could play it back and then go back to the point where what you just said and i'll listen to this uh in the car and well I'll so go, here, it, let me let me help you see if we can get to that place i was telling about how i the desire to do something that's inconvenient for me just it that desire is the desire to not want to be inconvenienced is still there is just not as big is that anywhere and does that maybe strike? maybe I'll, I'll just try to sure. I'll freeform this a little bit so I I think that um, you you at one point when you're in your relationship your priorities start completely shifting where it's like you've got your life and your plans and your career and all these other things are kind of taking hold and and then a woman or partner inserts somewhere in the middle of that and you're like okay you're more important than a lot of things in my life but if things push came to shove and you moved to Austin and I got called to go do this thing over here in Alaska, then goodbye. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's some point where it goes from like the person's asking permission to be involved in your life to an assumption where you're always going to be a part of each other's lives. And then one more phase where maybe not everybody's in this kind of thing where we're sort of more like it feels like I have to ask permission to be away from your life because now I need, obviously you have a lot more responsibilities, you have a lot more weight to carry um, and so there, there's a shift that changed where the dynamics of your relationship changed. Maybe you never said anything. You never spoke anything about it. It just all of a sudden one day I'm just texting you. Hey, I want to go on this trip with my buddies on the weekend. What do you think? And you don't even catch yourself that like, oh, you wouldn't have done that. The last trip you took, you didn't ask her about it. You said, hey, I'm leaving on, on May 5th to go to this thing. And so somewhere along the lines, it shifted without anybody ever putting their finger on to say why or how or uh, what's that made out of. And so I, I think this is a, it, and maybe it's a pointless exercise to most people because you just understand what love is or you just say, I love this person, mm-hmm. a bit like saying that's blue and you don't have to necessarily yeah. <laughs> connect a bunch of dots and say it's just foundational, like that's blue, I see it, it's, it's empirical. And maybe to, to people, love is an intuitive, empirical thing. But I kind of like to analyze it and say, it, there is a choice here. When you're marrying someone, why her? Why not that person? Why did that relationship not work out? Why not wait for something else? How do you know you're, you're not like you've got this whole huge list that's all checked off yeah. that you, you mentioned for Irina? So, um, you know, we got to put your finger somewhere on there and say, that's where I made my decision. And to me, it was when I started to say things that maybe should feel like burdens aren't, aren't burdens. And Did you feel that in your previous relationships? 
for sure. relationships. For sure. Okay. I, I, I would think if I told anyone that I loved them that I felt that same thing. I don't think I was, I, in fact, I was very guarded about using the word love because I had, you know, I had reservations about, you know, say, hey, I, I was with somebody for four years and I heard I love you. And I felt very connected and had a very deep relationship and it ended up, I don't, I don't doubt that any of that was true. It just ended up not working. So it ended up not mattering. And if it was like, so then I have this very linear logic of like, well, okay, if these words are in place and these actions are in place and it still comes to an outcome you don't like, then there's a, there's a variable in here that I need to make sure I control or figure out for the next time. And, you know, and just kind of, you can get stuck spinning your wheels on, on trying to logically order things when the human heart and human psyche aren't necessarily x plus y equals z yeah i mean one thing and i i mean human words are just uh, they're sounds that we make right so love that, though is a very important point, word that point to something right they, they do the point imp- that's the important part but we 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 go okay uh th- this word is uh care care is when you do uh help somebody Right, so we've 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 established we we created a sound and we said this is an act of this. That's how you describe right. that. And then you, st- but then you can always erode that and say, right. well, can you help someone without caring? Right. Ah, okay. Well, now we have a Venn diagram. How's it different than uh, help? Right. So you're right. Um, and so because love is just another one of the words that can be spoken differently in many different languages, you almost have to the word has to be more packed uh, of descriptive things. But I, I still believe that the descriptive things somehow point towards a oneness thing, that if you two are one, then you would be treating yourself as if you were that person. That instead of you uh, going, hey, uh, by the way, I'm going to be on this trip on Wednesday, you're going, well, would I like if somebody told me or without kind of giving me a heads up? No, like I kind of like that kind of respect kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I go, okay, well, that, I'm going to treat them like I treat myself. Well, um, hey, my leg, or I'm nauseous, and what really helps uh, my spouse is when we drive in the car. Well, if I was nauseous, I would want to go drive in the car. So you're, you're, you're putting yourself into their shoes as if you're just one thing. And I, I mm-hmm. think love, and, and this is not to be offensive to you, but I, th- I think it's the same way as I'm remembering my wedding day is I didn't know what love was. I thought love was a feeling that you get when you really like being around a person. But I've had that feeling many other times with many other people. So now it's it's a different feeling with this person. So the question is is like, well, what about all those people? Do I still love them because I like being around them? No, I really dislike them because I'm yeah, not yeah. with them. But what I what I I almost feel like I've grown. First, I really you know like and loved Irina, but I feel like I, the definition of love made more clarity to me in ten years of marriage with kids to her. Yeah. Because there's that connection of oneness of now there's a legacy, now there's a family, now there is uh, seeing her sacrifice for me that I want to reciprocate that sacrifice. So there's a connection to you in, in terms of love and oneness and family. Oneness and family. So I think, yeah. I think there's a, I remember there was a biblical word. I don't remember if they were trying to def- explain what sex was or whatever, but it was describing it as intertwining of souls, right? So what if love is just two souls, whichever, if you want to define what souls yeah, are or whatever. So now. two spirits. Let's say two yeah, spirits. Yeah, yeah. You're a spirit. I'm a spirit. Two spirits. Let's intertwine them, baby. <laughs> let's, French, let's French breathe that bitch. Um, so so as you're, you're twining together to become more of a one thing. And I think that happens over a period of time that mm-hmm. I as, as 
more time goes by, you start analyzing a lot of things and be like, I do love this person. And I think I understand what love is and yeah. it's accumulation of things. I just, I want to challenge that in the sense that people who are um, less developed in their relationship, they don't have the family yet. They don't have a legacy yet, or they might not even have the maturity and the empathy that you're describing, I think can still have love. Yeah, but I, and, but it, what if, I guess I want to correct myself. I don't want to say that you can only experience love when you have kids. But what I no, answer, what I'm saying, I think time is the only that corner. I think time is the only thing that helps you get to the point of understanding that it is love, or is that just a uh, a dopamine reaction in my head that's been going on for two years? And I don't think that um, love has to be uh, purely a consistent flat level or a purely consistently linear trajectory up either. I think you'll probably have moments of of love and not love. Um, obviously much more stable than things like your contentment with that person or your liking of that person or enjoying their company. I think there's plenty of times when you're not going to necessarily enjoy the company of your, your kids and your wife. But I, that's why I kind of still like to fall back on to something foundational. It's like, okay, well, if it goes through the net of that definition, what does it land on? Where it's like, okay, I really can't stand my kids are being a punk today. I've got, you know, friends with, with grown kids, teenagers, right? Teenagers are just being a jerk. I don't even like being at my house right now. Uh, but you still fall back onto something where it's like, I, I haven't stopped loving my kid. And so, okay, well, maybe some of the questions in my little decision tree would be like, if they, you know, needed bail money right now or, you know, beside the point of teaching them a lesson to stay right. in jail or something, or if they needed, they needed help, they needed to go to the hospital or they needed you in some way, or they called you and said, dad, I really need a friend to talk to. Something bad just happened. I just lost a friend or something like, right. You would, you would go, absolutely. I'll do anything for them. And that's why I think like there's, a, that's why I kind of keep coming back to a willingness where it's like, even if I'm not called to do that yet, even if I haven't been asked to make that sacrifice, or even if I haven't. Uh, they're ignoring me or they're pushing me away or something, I'm still willing. Like in the moment that, that, they, that they were to turn around and reconcile with me, boom, I'm right there. I'm willing to do that. Even if um, maybe I'm the one who feels hurt or spurned or something, and it's like I need time to, to figure out when I'm going to be ready to come back and try to mend that or something, I'm still, I'm still willing to do that. Have you gotten into a circumstance yet with Marin? Uh, where she pissed you off. Have you guys fought yet? <laughs> I mean, well, yeah. I mean, we've no, been... no, no. Truly, like, like, be like, not talking for a couple of days, kind of thing. Um, there was, there was a kind of a twenty-four hour okay. kind of talking period. But yeah, it's it, yeah. I mean, we could dive into what that was, but I think a lot of that was was okay. a pretty good misunderstanding. Okay, so but you got the misunderstanding cleared up later, but yeah, in the yeah, midst yeah, of yeah. it. In your eyes, there was no misunderstanding, right? And in her eyes, there's possibly no, no, no. In my eyes, there, we, that she was misunderstanding me, and in uh, her eyes, I was misunderstanding her, or really, she, I was misunderstanding a lot about her. Oh, so not, when you're like you're an idiot. You're like, no, no, you're misunderstanding me. I didn't say. I'm not an idiot. You just misunderstood <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. It's like, like I'm mad at you because you called me an idiot. I said, like, no, no. I said you're being an idiot. See, you misunderstood me. <laughs> no. So okay. So I guess my question is, is like finding the correlation because with kids, it's a little bit different when you go. The, the idea of you can love somebody and not like them at that time, right? In this particular time, yeah. I love you, but I don't like well, you. Well, dude, I think kids With the are... kids, it's like a prodigal son kind of situation where you're like, I'm always going to be there for you. So if you, you know, got yourself in trouble with the law, I'm still going to bail you out. Sure. that's easy. But what mm -hmm. about with your spouse? What about like if she 
oh, just you guys got in this fight. And then she goes, hey, can you go drive me around? I feel nauseous, right? Was it heartburn, right? Is that so, what it was? Yeah, something heartburn. like that, yeah. Uh, or, do you, and you're, you're, you're doing what I'm it doing. It might be We're, a quiet ride. <laughs> you know? Wow. You might have to have a quiet ride. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. all. But like at the same time, I'm not sitting there like, I hate my life right now. Right. But, you, but are I'm you not, going? I'm to... not begrudging and I'm not, I'm trying. So I guess, I guess in that moment, you have two options in my, in my mind. If I were, uh, uh, let's play with this. this. This is a live definition, right? So you and I are molding this together in, okay. this, in this moment, right? So if I were to put that into a dichotomy, it's resentment on one end and it's love on the other end. You've spurned me, you've annoyed me, you've pushed me out, at least in my understanding of it. And we haven't reconciled this whole situation compared to how you saw it or whatever. But I feel upset for whatever reason. And I'm not very emotional. You can tell I'm overly analytical and I don't, I don't usually get led by emotion. So that's a rare situation that I would be like feeling all distraught about something. I'm sitting in my mind saying, I can't make sense of this situation. I can't reconcile it because your emotions don't seem to line up with my understanding of that reality. Anyway, um, I would be, you know, in that car, I have two decisions. Do I sit here and resent you because of the way you made me feel and here I am doing something good for you? Or do I remember that I love you and I made a commitment to you and this is part of that commitment? And in, in so doing, it's not just a, it's not just a conclusion I came to, but a resolve. And it actually feels a relief to say, oh yeah, that's right. I resolved that I'm going to do this sort of stuff. And this is just me being tapped on to honor my agreement. So by you clicking this analytical checkbox says you, I love, and because I love you, I will do things that are inconvenient for you. Mm -hmm. Is that, is that, am I reading that? And then in so acknowledging that feel, I, that's when I actually think I feel the resolution of like, ah, this feels right. There's no, so to me, when things don't reconcile, I feel tension. I, that's when I feel anxiety mm -hmm. is like, I can't make sense. Why are, why are you upset? I didn't say the thing you think I said, and this situation doesn't add up in my mind. And if you only knew what I meant, you would agree with me. Like if we, if we agree on the facts, you and I on anything. Mm -hmm. if, if we have a disagreement, originally we're here. But if I just explain my side, like I know it makes sense. So if I just explain it better, we can, you can come to here and then we go, oh yeah, that's right. I understand you better. You understand me better. And now it feels better. But right. until we reach that, like that feeling of being misunderstood is, is where I start to feel tension. So, so then what I'm getting at, I guess, is that feeling of like, everything's peaceful and fine. Mm -hmm. That's when I like, that comes after the reminder of the resolution to say, you love this person and this is no law. This is not a sacrifice. This is not a difficult thing to do. This is the biggest priority. There's nowhere else to be. There's nothing else to do. None of these other things matter. You need to like, this is where you are. So are you implying that, uh, to love somebody is just a decision that you make. And then once you put them in the category of love, then it comes with a certain level of expectations on your part. Yeah, I think that, so the expectation kind of goes back to the obligation mm -hmm. concept. And I think that these are very nuanced things, but I think that they're different because you can have an expectation and a nuance at your work. I don't love my work. I don't, I, I feel the inconvenience when I have to stay late. This sucks, mm -hmm. but I do it anyway. But why do I do it? Probably because it's part of my life that goes back to the things that I do love. Mm -hmm. And so the feeling of staying late in connection to my wife 
does not feel like an inconvenience in connection to my job feels like a very big in inconvenience. And it's because of an obligation? And I, is that the, well, there, well, I'm doing, I have an obligation to both. Uh -huh. I'm so, doing the okay. same action mm -hmm. in one, feel the resentment and the difficulty in the other, do not feel the, re the resentment and the difficulty. I love one, I don't right. love the other. Did the same action for the same sense of obligation, the same sense of duty, the same sense of honoring my commitment. There's lots of things that are parallel in there. But in one, as I think and as I resolve my, my feelings and conclusions about these two things, I love one and I don't love the other. And, and I feel the resentment. So I could almost simultaneously, I could feel resentment and feel bad, but it's not towards, it's not towards the thing that I love. It's towards the thing that's making me do the, the thing I don't want to do. Perhaps. So I guess the, the question is, is like that I was asking is, so you have two obligations, work yeah. and your spouse. And something that you don't like happened at work, meaning you have to stay late. Uh, that feeling of uh, sourness in your mouth versus your spouse who's asking you to go do something that might be inconvenient to you. Well, and I, what it, makes you decide this is... Uh, love and this is not love. Well, I think it's what makes you decide this is an inconvenience or this is not an inconvenience. Well, yeah, and, the answer, question, yeah. and the answer to that is love. Uh -huh. and, fr and from there, see, I, I guess I have this imagination that I've reached the bedrock where you'd say, okay, what is, a, what is that? That's a phone. Okay, I have something in my pocket. What is this? That's a phone. They're, well, they're, they're different things. So what exactly is a phone? Is it that computer? No, they're slightly different. Uh, and then you pick up like a, in a handheld a rotary phone. You say, what is this? It's a phone. Well, these, th these two things are extremely different. Well, what's the point of them? Well, it's a device that calls other devices. And so if you have a device that calls other devices, you have a phone. And so it's all, it, you reach a bedrock where it's like there is no other simpler definition. And I guess I, so I'm searching for that, which is ambitious. Maybe I, maybe can't be done. Maybe that's part of the mystery of, of love in general or even other difficult concepts of integrity and creativity and these sort of things. But um, I, for me, I feel like I reach bedrock there where it's like, that's what makes the decision. Like I can make decisions based on that right. and say, okay, well, will you go do this thing? It, actually, will you do it is actually different than are you willing to do it or will you be resentful by doing it? Because I will stay late for work. Right. I will do it. They pay me money to do yeah. it. I don't love, that doesn't mean I love work. It doesn't mean I love CSDI. It doesn't even mean that I love money. Mm -hmm. And you might go a couple more layers and say, well, okay, why do you need money? And well, right. that's because it provides me for a house and a family. And I love my family and my, my home for my family. So would it be safe to say that um, you will never feel inconvenienced by anything to, for, for the, people that you, the people or the person that you love? I want to be careful because you use the word never, and but and well, so, so let's say one day and somebody's going to play this podcast well, back so, at me. So 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 you. How, how but long, I, but how, I think the answer is yes. I think the answer is yes. Where it's like, I've I've committed unless I stop loving that person. So hold on. So you said I want to say you said yes that you will never feel inconvenienced by something. By the by, the by person that loves needing that to you do love. something for the person I love. Interesting. I I kind of want. That's where. Okay, so that's what I want to be challenged on. Mm -hmm. And I think right now I'm going to say yes. And okay. then if I need to reevaluate, right. because 
I, I can be educated. I can okay. learn well, over no, time. Well, and yeah, I mean, there's no, I, I don't want to sit here and be like, oh, you young, you, even though you and I are the same exact age, but like you youngsters, like I've been doing this for 10 years mm -hmm. and three kids. I have some story. I don't want to even go there at all. But I guess where I'm going is, is like, yeah. I'm putting myself in those shoes where if it's extreme cases of like life or death uh, or no other option, then yeah, you're like, let's do it. For example, uh, well, I don't want to bring this up because we haven't shared about it yet. Uh, <laughs> Well, you, well haven't, you haven't fixed that fight. Well, so like not, well, it's well, about, it's about uh, my kids. So I'll, but it's I'll, like, I'll use something, I'll use something simple. Okay. Right. So early on in my relationship, um, Sundays, I was going to play pickup basketball and one Sunday, Marion wanted to go to her family's house for dinner. And so I said, yeah, we'll go to, Mar we'll go to your family's house for dinner. But I did it in such a way that I made it obvious that I was, and I didn't even think I knew that I was doing this, but I instinctually kind of let her know like oh this is a bummer i'm missing out on pickup basketball with like six other guys you know like uh -huh. not for anything right um but yet i let you know it was an inconvenience to me mm -hmm. and that was because I, I i would say i would look back and say well young rich you don't love her mm -hmm. and that's and she's wanting more from you she wants you to love her and she can tell that you don't love. it's not that i don't think people would be upset by that to say like Oh, he just really loves basketball, and I asked him to do something that was extremely inconvenient. No, this was a little thing. Mm -hmm. Like, this wasn't really that inconvenient. It also didn't really matter that I showed up for, for dinner that day. She could go to dinner by herself with her family if she wanted to. But what mattered was that I made it clear I didn't love her because it was such an inconvenience to go be with her and her family for dinner. Mm -hmm. And I would say now, as a person who loves her and her family, I would, I would gladly forbear some of my activities or more important things. Well, cause you and, kind of assess that's the, the, the value system. We go, uh, you and your family are more important than my basketball, which is clear. It, it is yeah. right. That, yeah. That's, that's simple. That's, that's an easy question, but what happens? But when it's we, like a, it's like a scoff and an eye roll. Like, Oh, can I, can I not have both? Like, can right. you do dinner later? Or can I just, I mean, I'll be there from five to six thirty. Can I just come after or like, it's this mentality of like, I can tell you don't put me first. Mm -hmm. I can tell it's an inconvenience to you to have to do something for me. And, and maybe not in such specific words as I'm trying to put it down, I think you can say, uh, what really annoys me is that I can tell you don't love me yet. Mm -hmm. Even though like you don't have to pin your whole, do you love me based on this one action, this one question, but you would, you would gather living with a person or being in a relationship with a person, little things like this one after another. And you would realize this person thinks that every time they do something for me, I should keep score or it's an inconvenience mm -hmm. or it needs to be reciprocated or, you know, there's, it doesn't feel like, oh, this person would do anything for me. And that I think is one of, is what makes the unique aspect of love versus other reasons we do things for people. So I guess the direction I'm trying to lean is what happens when enough time goes by and they're not clear day and night uh, choices like my parents and, and dinner uh, me, my parents, and dinner, or basketball with mm -hmm. some guys, right? Uh, what happens when it's a little bit more not important? What if what happens when you had you know little league on Monday, you had jujitsu practice for the kids on Tuesday, they're doing football on Friday, and you're jam smacked with work all week, and then she goes, "Hey, on Saturday, uh, we're all gonna go with my friends to the fair." Now. 
assume that you don't like the fair. You can care, care two <laughs> shits about the fair. And this is me, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I thought you were talking but, about someone else. Right, right. My friend <laughs> Malix, we'll call him. Uh, at that point, there's a part of me that goes, I don't want to go to the fair. I'm mm. I, this entire week. I feel like something's been going on. You've had a friend, you know, with her husband come over. Who? That's fine. They came over. I'm not a fan of them. We all the kids <laughs> had all these things this entire week, and I and I'm been super busy shooting content all week. Yeah. And here's a Saturday, and all I want to do is just stay in and like watch TV and just do nothing. You're inconvenienced. At least I am. Now, does that mean I don't love my my wife because she wants to go to the fair with the kids and a bunch of other couples? Now, if my wife goes, if my wife goes, hey, I want to be in this corner to defend this because I want to know if this if this definition is true. Well, because the the point, because it's it's easy for him to be like Jack's got uh, today is his playoff game. No part of me is like, first of all, I don't I'm not one of those sports dads where I like like I want to go coach and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I do like like when I'm comfortable, I'm in a a chair. They got coaches listening to Irene. I will sit there, have a beer and we're just like enjoying that. That's awesome. That's memories. But when it's like, those are simple choices for me to make and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. yes, sure, I have to rush right after this and wash up and go make, meet them there. So, but what if it's like her friends? What was the opportunity cost of, of the fair? What else would you have done? Well, I wanted to finally be on you the couch just and just couch kind of have a lazy TV. day, watch me some UFC or something like that. But yeah. I just wanted to, like, I have a lot of times where we have something almost every single day, some kind of thing yeah. that I want to just finally just like lay out and relax. Now she loves me so much so that so, she goes. So to, here's where I would here's before we before I lose this train of thought. Yeah. The whole thing I'm trying to work with is willingness. So, are you willing to go to the fair if she said it's important? If she says it's important, yes, I'm willing to You're go. Willing, but it's not often that she says it's it's important. If, if somebody Let's, said. I'm not going to the fair. I need my time alone. And they felt very justified to say, it's for all these reasons. It's very legit. I just mm-hmm. need to rest. I'm not going to the fair. Well, I would never say it like that, putting my foot down. But it's like, it's very often I'm very passive. It's like, oh, we're going to the fair with X, Y, and Z. Babe, I just want to, I don't like crowds. I just want to like, like I, it's been crazy week. I just want to hang out at the, the house. Yeah. She's always really cool, but she also doesn't want to be at the fair with the only person, the only mom, that, without the husband there. Yeah. So it's important but to her. But she also doesn't want to be there with a husband who doesn't want to be there. Right, but she'll she be like, go get a there. drink yeah. and, you know. I've, I've had that where... Um, I but got I'm still in, inconvenienced I, by it. I've had Does that, that where I, I love her? I've had that where I got in trouble for doing something that my my partner wanted to... We'll just keep it mysterious. Yeah. <laughs> which, Your non-gender which, binary. Which person <laughs> we're talking about. But, um, you know, where, where I got in trouble for... Um, you know, I, I went and did the thing. I went to the yoga class. Mm-hmm. Well, you made it clear that you didn't want to be there. You were kind of like scoffing and rolling yeah. your eyes the whole time. So it didn't count towards my little bank of my little credit to things that we did that week anyway. Mm-hmm. So because I didn't do it in, in a sense. And, and so, okay, why is it important that, that I feel that way? And I think it's because people recognize that you're not loving them if you're there begrudgingly. Why did I bring you along if you're just going to complain the whole time? If you're going to drag your feet or look at your watch and say, when can we leave? Uh, how many corn dogs do you need before we can go back home, sweetie? I'm ready to watch the UFC. That's not going to work. I think if um, I think if you approach that to say, hey, we've obviously had a really busy week. I'm, I'm really exhausted. I'll tell you what, if it's important to you and your friends that, that I come along, I want to go. 
Um, but I, I am really tired. I would love to, to if, if it's not, if it's something we can negotiate, I'd love to just have some time to myself. But I want you to know that I will go and I'll support you and I'll be so are we pinpointing the most excited husband there the whole time. Are we pinpointing the level of importance something is to that person? I guess if that's a different conversation then, right? Because at that point, is it really that important for you for for me to be there with you? Yes. Okay. Then I'll consider this to be an ER thing. Yeah, I, I think what's difficult about the scenario is that it's easy to say, okay, let me compare Irina to other things or obligations, but now you're putting you and her toe to toe in your priorities. And it's like, that's a really hard one. And that's one that would come back and she would say, well, like if you're obviously tired, like I don't want you to have to suffer. I, I don't want you to have to suffer. And then, I, and then you don't want me to have to suffer. And we're now we're, we're saying, who's more important, you or me? That's like, I don't know how to answer that question yet. I don't think I'm ready to answer that one. But in the situation where you don't want to go to the fair, but you are willing to, and you would do it. If it's really important. If her. it's important, you would do it. I just need to know if this is an ER thing. Yeah. Or at some point, you might reach a place where you say, I don't need to know if it's an ER thing. I can just tell. Mm -hmm. I can just tell that I need to do this. I need to suck it up. And maybe it comes back to me in some sort of credit, but if it doesn't, yeah, I do it anyway because I love her. Well, and the credits, I don't know if I I, I support the credit system, um, but I'm using it a little bit ironic. Right, right, I, I get it. That, yeah, like, I get some, it. That might be level one, right? But yeah, level level two here, or or however many levels in level one and a half right. is to say there isn't a credit system, and I do it regardless. Yeah, regardless of how much I have to deposit, I don't I don't count. The, the withdrawals and I, I don't wait and, and see when when can I withdraw back my credits that right. I I gave you that was a big problem I think in my um, my first immature understanding of how to give of time and manage presence with with my partner is I you know it's like all right Wednesday we got your thing Thursday we got my thing For, Monday, let me go do this by myself. Saturday, you have that with your girls. It all looks even to me. So see, that's a lot of things change when it's, again, I don't want to go back saying nobody's complete if there's no kids, but it's all, all of that. I feel like the game changes when there's kids because mm. there's no longer you in your thing. Like, I don't remember the last time I went out with the guys for beers. I don't remember yeah. the last time I went to, but I don't sit there dwelling on it. I don't go like, Oh man, whoa mm. me, man, married life sucks. It, I don't do that at all. What it is is like it's redefined. Be like everything now is a family thing together, mm -hmm. and so it's it's no longer me. It's about everybody it's a else. Oneness it's a oneness, and it's yet. everybody else, right? And I'm completely happy about it. I think it's exactly how it should be. I think the importance that a certain thing are important to somebody. In fact, I do those with my kids too. Like we do that with our crafts, right? They, they, you know how many pictures they bring home? You're not going to put every picture right. on the refrigerator. Right. But I have the conversation with them and be like, hey, uh, are you extremely proud of this or do you feel like you can do better? Because if you're extremely proud of it, we're going to hang yeah. it in, right here. We can keep 10 photos on the wall. Right. And you could upgrade you can, them, right? Yep. But we can't keep it. And they understand that. They go, yeah. they go like, and I'll, I'll be sure to be specific. There's a great book I read for parenting. It's called uh, Raising Lions by, I forgot who it was. But, uh, you know, you have that conversation of, of, of what is important to you and mm -hmm. know what the consequences are. That's and a, so it's a good thing to have to think about. Right. And so with the, the relationship, what's great is that I, I constantly, like, I'll ask my boys is like, is this important for you, for me to be there? Like, well, no, it's not that important. It's like, we could do this thing. So there's a level system with my wife. We do the same thing. Hey, is it that important? But also, and I think this is the key thing is the, she treats me 
the way I would like to be treated. And it makes me reciprocate back to her as like treating her because how great she's been treating me and that I, how I'd want to be. Treated. So oftentimes when she will say it's a planned thing, it's like, hey, I promised the boys I'll take them to a trampoline park. And she'll be like, you don't have to come. Meaning it's not important to her. Now, mm-hmm. my kids, kids can care less. Dad's just sitting on the bench. You know what yeah. I mean? But it's, so it's, 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 it's uh, picking and choosing and having a conversation that the person sees like this is either, this has priority, this not. I'm pretty sure if, if it comes to going to yeah. dinner with her friends, it's important to her. It's important that I show up if when it comes to yeah. going to tra- trampoline park. And what's important to her is important to me. And that's, yeah, there's there's a lesson that all husbands have to learn is what the what the hierarchy of importance of things are to their wife. And you need to figure out that out pretty quick so that you're investing your time and energy where it matters but to also, her, not just what you think. Yeah, and investing your time and energy is, is very important too. But also, I mean, we can give example and what ifs over and over, but I don't wanna you know bore anybody. But it's, I remember Irina had the staging business. And there's so many times that I need to be there to help her because she couldn't even get movers or yep. she couldn't, uh, you know, back in the tra- the trailer. She knew how to drive the truck and trailer, but she couldn't back it in. Like all these little things that I have my work day. I, we have a system. Kyle shows up. We record from 10 to 3. You know, we, we have a, an operation going here that's that's dialed in. He's got obligation. He's got kids. We have a schedule. We have sponsorship. We yeah, need to meet yeah. deadlines. And now... The morning of, I need to hey, interrupt babe, that and I, then come I need, do a bunch of work. And I yeah. know it's important to her, and I know she's really dependent, and I know she's not trying to be disrespectful, but I'm still, and I show up, I oh show, yeah. but I am very inconvenienced because this system of of operation is now had a, a, a wrench thrown at it. Now, yeah. if it's my kid calling, but, and the be nu- like, but the nuance is, do you resent? Do you resent Irina because you have to deal with that, or do you just resent the fact that it's a bunch of extra work? Like, I, I resent the fact that this wasn't planned, and if, if there was a way, if there if we could if there was a way to prevent this, and, and now listen, if, if there's nothing we could do to prevent this, then hey, I don't resent you, I resent the shitty situation. But that's, that's a bit like resenting yeah. work compared to Correct. resenting the wife. It's the situation. That's what it is. But I'm there with a sour face for sure. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, and you can talk to her. Like, we, we both tease each other about sour faces because before, uh, anyway, that, that's mm. another conversation. But I think, I think you, you, you could, yeah. And maybe that's going back so, to my kid's situation too. Like when his ear hurt and we're going to the hospital. I'm inconvenienced because of the situation and the fact that the situation, um, I'm critical of it. Like, I mean, that's not a, and there's another option. You think there's a better way to handle it. And you're like, okay, I'm also, I'm also irritated that you could have told me sooner. I'm irritated that we could have hired someone. I'm irritated that, you know, there's situational things. I'm irritated that you don't need to go to the ER. I'm not irritated because you need me. But I'm, that's not what I'm irritated about. I don't resent you because I had to work for you. Yeah. And I don't don't resent resent, you because, because you need me. Right. It's good to be needed. That's where, that's where I think there's some nuance. And maybe people are just rolling their eyes right now and saying, none of this matters. This is just a semantic. Yeah. Um, Nothing's treadmill. real. Reality is a suggestion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're all making this up. And, um, but yeah, that, that, I guess to, we got to eventually wrap it up. Yeah, no, I got yeah. to get back to work, you know? I got my kids. Uh, okay, you came from work. <laughs> um, I guess I, I'm, I'm toying with that idea. And, you know, and I would challenge if you're, if you're thinking, okay, well, this is just a bunch of BS or it's, it's not worth identifying even. But when you tell someone you love them, it's like, what do you mean? And if, it, I guess, say another sentence. Like, what's uh, a synonym for yeah, that? Yeah. 
um, and in terms of like, okay, my busy week and you got the kids and the wife and everything and you huddle them all up and it's, you know, it's Saturday or you have to, a tough decision to make, especially this one where it's like you versus me, where even where it's like the work schedule and your work schedule, these are very close priority things and I'm split. This is Neo and the Matrix having to go save uh, Trinity and also just go out the right door to destroy the source and save Zion. You can't, you, it's like you're not supposed to be able to do both. I can try to be a hero and do both, or you're going to have to pick. And so it's a trolley car problem. Like, are you really ethically responsible? I can't come back and say, well, you don't love your wife because you didn't choose that circumstance. Because in the other sense, you, you also chose some, like you gave up work or something. You don't love yourself or like you're, you lose no matter what, or you win no matter what. Yeah. Um, that, that's a really tough spot to be in. But when you huddle your family up and that's on that Saturday and say, I love you. What is it? What is it? What do you think you mean? Yeah. You just said, blah, 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 blah. It's, just, it's a word. It's a sound that you mm -hmm. mean. There's a certain. But the meaning that behind it is a different conversation. Yeah. And, there, you know, you could say, oh, it means I'll be here for you. It means I'll give you my, my money and I'll work for you. And um, Don't piss me off. <laughs> it means I'll, I'll talk to you nicely or I will whatever. And I think to me, it just like it starts to like that's the best thing I can keep falling back on is it means I'm willing to do anything for you. It means I'm willing to do it and I'll be happy to do it. And you can ask me for my last dollar and you can have it. And that's a, the, kind of the prodigal son thing, right? The dad says, mm -hmm. you can squander your, your inheritance. You come on back. I'll give you another ring. I'll give you another um, robe. Yeah. And that's an, an example of love. And yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of analogies, but um, yeah. So I'm, I'm just resting on that at the moment. I like it. It's it's in the words. And we got to stop at some point. In the words of uh, <laughs> in the words of uh, the great Justin Bieber, what do you mean? Exactly. He's a philosopher. He's a philosopher. Philosophize this. All right, Rich man. Thanks for coming on the podcast. It's been fun. Um, go check out. Is it free candy? No, there's nothing to check out. Here. There's nothing to check out. Uh, <laughs> we'll we'll have Rich back on the podcast again, and we'll see how. Uh, yeah, I'm just waiting for this show to launch me. <laughs> so so you, you want to sponsor me and get me on your show? Well, you we'll, just, we'll we'll start a channel underneath. You um, I did talk to my my buddy Luke, who's been on a couple episodes of Free Candy. We're like, it's it might be time to uh, to to re up another uh, re up, but not as Free Candy. It's another yeah. it's another chapter. Yeah, we yeah. got Barry Free Candy. Move on. <laughs> Um, How many episodes do you have of Free Candy? There's like 17 or 18. 17, 18. I like it. Just and they're great. They're yeah, fun. They're yeah. fun to watch. Free Candy. Uh, if you can find it yeah. on YouTube, there's a lot of things called Free Candy out there on YouTube. So <laughs> you got to wade through the garbage. Research. Yeah. I love it. All right, man. Thanks for coming on here, man.